0: Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a wisdom Wednesday and we got our guy, Andrew Brandt, the host of the business of sports podcast will be here that entire interview, which is coming up in like two minutes will be simulcast on the business of sports this week, which is the critically acclaimed podcast that Andrew hosts that I highly Recommend you check out on a weekly basis. It's phenomenal. We'll get to that momentarily. We are presented, of course, by DraftKings. Spread the word. I did see some people following the TikTok at Ross Tucker NFL to try to be the Spread the Word winner. That'll count. As well as if you follow the new Facebook that we have specifically for the Ross Tucker Pod. Follow that Facebook. Ross Tucker Pod on Facebook. Because um, I know a lot of people, people are only usually into like one, maybe two social media platforms, right? So a lot of you might be Facebook and maybe one other, or Twitter and maybe one other, Instagram, maybe one other, TikTok. We want to make sure that we've got a presence at your primary. So whatever your primary is, just follow us there. And then the sponsor confirmation emails, love it. First Leaf Wine, I'm very excited, by the way. Uh, Next week, by the way, is when they're doing the... uh They're doing our bathrooms. They're remodeling the bathrooms from this West Shore home, which is amazing. Pumped up about that. YouTube shout-outs we love. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. It is Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, well, we don't do this very often, but we wanted to do a simulcast between the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Wednesday edition, a Wisdom Wednesday and Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports podcast this week for a few different reasons. Number one, I don't think Andrew had been on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast in over a month, and I'm missing him. I'm missing talking with him. I love getting his wisdom as he sips on his tea like he is wont to do. The Zen master himself, Andrew Brandt, at Andrew Brandt on Twitter. The other thing is, we want people that listen to the Raw Soccer Football Podcast to know there is this awesome business and sports podcast that Andrew does every week that it's just loaded with his wisdom or cool guests or whatever. Definitely check it out. Similarly, there are people that listen to the Business and Sports Podcast that don't check out the Raw Soccer Football Podcast. I'm your 30 minutes of, of football, Phil, right? I'm your, I'm your 30 minutes daily of what's going on in the NFL from a former player's perspective. So that's why we're doing the simulcast. We do it a couple times a year just to make sure you are keenly aware of where you can hear Andrew or myself other places. So that's number one. number or That's number one and number two. Number one was talk to Andrew. Number two was to cross-promote. Number three is there really is one main issue right now, and that is Damar Hamlin. And everything going on with the DeMar Hamlin situation, from how it was handled on Monday, to his health, to what the NFL does moving forward, that is the primary topic. So rather than have Andrew come on this show and talk about it, and business of sports and talk about it, we're going to do it all in one shot. Andrew has been, as usual, sort of a, a calming presence and the voice of reason as has been going on throughout the last, whatever it is, 36 hours now almost at this point. So, Andrew, i like to give you a, a blank slate. i like to give you an open canvas. It's been, you know, 36 hours now since the incident that happened on Monday evening. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts first, your initial thoughts, whatever is most pressing in your mind before I ask specific questions and steer you in a specific direction?
1: Thanks, my friend. And it is more of a solemn podcast. And it's the simulcast, as you mentioned, because it's the only issue. Um, listen, I've been around football 30 something years as an agent, as you know, team executive for a decade and media for a decade. Um, never say anything like this. I was involved with a lot of trauma uh, a couple times as an agent a lot of times with the Green Bay Packers where you'd have a player down, maybe it was a serious limb injury leg ankle knee, shoulder etc or maybe a concussion. Um, you call the family you call the agent you get everyone in communication. You meet the family sometimes in the locker room, in the training room, at the x-ray room, or maybe even at the hospital as an agent, sometimes as a team executive, but never like this. And I think, Ross, the overriding thought that I've had for the last 36 hours that I can't shake from my mind is this. He was gone. He was gone. We had a player leave us in a game. And only through the wonderful efforts of these first line responders that hustled out there did we get him back. Think about that. He was gone. And that's what's overwhelming my thoughts. We had this. And thankfully, AED, CPR, trained professionals that got out there in an instant. And a shout out to them. I don't think enough is being made of them. When we hired these people at the Packers, and I did some of these contracts, they were overtime. They were people just wanting to be around the team. They worked for local hospitals, local paramedic organizations, sometimes volunteer. They just wanted to help out. And I think it probably was the same in Cincinnati. Shout out to them. A second overwhelming thought, Ross, is that people listening, watching, looking at us right now, fans of yours, fans of mine, every one of us, every one of us has had trauma in their life and it sticks with you, right? Seeing my father die, seeing what went on with his experience, you don't lose it, right? You don't lose it. Everyone listening. You don't lose that. The bills, and let's not forget the Bengals, are going to deal with this. Not today, not next week, next month, next year, five years, when they retired. It's going to happen. And the third thought is, and I know I'm, I'm just getting it out, the third thought is, You know this as well as anyone. I liken it to submarine workers. You go in in late July. You come out in January. You're around these people all the time. They know your family. They know you. They know you in ways your family, some family members don't. They know DeMar, these Bills players, in a way that is so bonded. And they've got to deal with that. So there's got to be a lot of support. Before we even talk about football, there's going to be a lot of support for these Bills players. Counseling. Support, mental health, and not just this week, because this week, everybody's pouring in. People are going to forget about this. So I think in months to come, in in, in off season. So this is going to be important, I think, from a mental health standpoint. And let's not forget about the Bengals. They were there, too. They experienced this. So those are my initial thoughts, Ross. Now we can get into any specifics.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, two quick stories about that, Andrew, just to kind of follow up. Yeah. One is I was on the field for the Buffalo Bills in 2004 when our right tackle, Mike Williams, I was playing center against the Patriots. He really wasn't moving his lower body. Uh, turned out, you know, it was precautionary and he was okay, but he wasn't moving. They thought he had a neck injury so or potentially so they did the backboard and all that stuff they brought the ambulance on the field and I remember they brought his wife out of the stands and you could see her come down past all the rest of our wives come down and then she went into the tunnel where they were taking the ambulance and it's like we we know Mike, we're friends with it, we know Anisha, like we know his wife and just weird for some reason the neck and spine stuff has become like so almost common and they do it so often for precautionary reasons that we're almost like accustomed to that. But it is kind of wild looking back on it. Like, what if he had been paralyzed? Like we just kept playing. Like we just started the game up two minutes later and just kept playing. Like what if that had happened? Um, That's the story that sticks with me. The other thing that sticks with me is, um, ironically, Andrew. Last year, maybe two years ago, I went to a Hershey Bears hockey game. They, they're a minor league team, AHL, and there was a fight. And I like uh, fights. I mm-hmm. like violence. I like physicality. The uh, the the opposing player hit hit the. Uh, hit the Hershey Bears player with just a, a a vicious shot. And Andrew, he he crumbled. Like, the, the player that hit him, the Hershey Bears player, eyes went in the back of his eyes. I mean, back of his after he hit him. The other player tried to help him up, like so that his head didn't hit the ice. He was out on his feet or whatever. Mm. And I could just tell... Why While the people were running out there, that it was a scary, reminiscent of the Damar Hamlin situation. They were running out there. They were bringing stuff. I got out of there with my wife and daughters because I knew this is a really bad scene and something really bad could happen here. And also, like, they're not going to play again for a long, long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I live in the area. So I found out from multiple doctors he had to be revived. He, he had to be revived. Wow. And um, as a result, I am now in favor of no fighting in hockey. You know, just Thanks. seeing that, being there for that game. So anyway, just um, I have no idea what the relevance of that story is other than that was traumatic for me having watched that from afar, whereas the Bills and Bengals players, they were right there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they were right there during the CPR and during the AED.
1: Yeah, and and if you do allow, I'll share a story, too, from the Packers. We had a second-round pick named Terrence Murphy. Terrence was a second-round pick from Texas A&M. Now he's a very successful real estate uh, develop, uh, broker down there. And he was the pick after Aaron Rodgers, I think, or the pick after A.J. Hawk, one of those years. And a lot of promise. I mean, we were a lot of problems. We were so high on him. He returned a kick and he went down with a neck injury. And long story short, he never played again. We were, you know, the silver lining is we found some stenosis in the neck and was advised not to play again. But um scary. It was scary, and his family came down. And I remember our training staff was yelling at the ESPN staff, I think it was ESPN, the overhead camera, right? The overhead camera is looking right down on him lying there. Imagine if they were doing that with Damar and his family. And, And we were just like, stop, you know, stop, stop with that camera because it could show his face and, and you weren't, you weren't shielded by the players. Um, so I just remember that vividly, like we're screaming and they were telling me to scream from the booth at the ESPN people for doing that. And that shows you sort of the the overall fight between entertainment and safety. And we've gone through this with concussions for 20 years.
0: So, um, you know, you saying that is a good transition. The next thing I want to ask, which is. What do you think happens moving forward? I know we are all waiting and hoping for more and more positive DeMar Hamlin health news. and I think we're all kind of waiting for bated breath with any information we can get. And I'm sure the league is as well, Andrew. Yeah. But picture yourself in those meetings yeah. on Park Avenue in New York City. What do you think they're talking about right now?
1: Let me back up a minute, if I could, Ross. A lot of criticism of the NFL for not suspending the game right away. I just want to defend the NFL there because I've been in meetings like that. It's not just Roger Goodell talking to the coaches or maybe talk to the owners, Pagula and Mike Brown. It's much more than that. It's the referees. It's the local services. I think the biggest thing in that decision was you're going to dump out 60,000 people into Cincinnati streets at nine o'clock when you were planning on doing it at 1130. That takes a lot of coordination, right? Think about that. That takes a lot of coordination. People don't realize that. So I totally defend the NFL for not calling the game right away or you know, taking time to make sure. The city is prepared for that. Now, I don't know the story about warming up in five minutes. That's secondary. Anyway, going forward. Here's the thing. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but in DeMar, we're not going to get a lot of updates in my view. You know, we're not going to get he did this today or this is a long term thing. My my view. I mean, talking to people. So. The NFL is going to have a hard time making decisions on updates about DeMar Hamlin. I don't know. I think what happens in this world is that even 36 hours later, this is all we're talking about. It's the news cycle is going to move. And that means people are getting prepared to go forward. I think they play this weekend. Um, And I think, The issue with the game is the natural reaction is, yeah, it's done. You know, either a tie or 16-game seasons for those two teams. There are going to be all kinds of theories. Um, (laughs) One theory, my son came up with this. It sounded interesting. You play the games this weekend. Next weekend, you have NFC playoffs, and the only AFC game is Bills-Bengals and you have the AFC on a track a week behind the NFC in the playoffs and then of course the, the the issue is the AFC team will have one week for the Super Bowl while the NFC has two weeks that's one theory uh there're going to be a lot of theories thrown out about trying to fit in that game i think with everything going on we're just going to have to lose that game and i don't a tie or 16 games. Uh, But I think the NFL is going through every scenario. And uh, I do think they're going to involve the coaches and the owners of those two teams in
0: terms of what their preferences are. I always think that's an interesting dichotomy, which is like the competitive issues, which are, obviously the most fair thing is for every team to play every game. So the season is completed versus the business component of it and the entertainment part of it, which is like the show must go on, you know, is every venue available there, Cause there's so much coordination around venues and television networks and programming and stuff. If they make changes, it seems to me, Andrew, like they typically will try to do the path of leaf resistance in terms of affecting as few partners as possible. Yeah. And so that's why I do believe that they'll call the game a no contest. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they're gonna move heaven and earth to try to get that one game on the on the slate.
1: Yeah, and and the whining and griping about number one seed or whatever the seeding comes out. You know, you hope everyone is is cooler heads prevail on that. You could see people complaining, uh, you know, beyond fans. But listen, this will come from the top. This will be Goodell talking to, as I said, Pagula and Brown. And like, okay, are you cool with this? And they will decide. Uh, I think that's the only way. Unless my son's idea where you just move the AFC back a week. Um, and you have the one game from the AFC next week while the NFC starts the wild-card round,
0: and so on and so on. But we'll see. Um, Curious your thoughts on the balance between entertainment, ratings, and competitive issues. And I bring that up because Seattle fans, Seahawks fans, are outraged right now because... The way the schedule is for week 18 right now, if the Seahawks win their game Sunday afternoon, then by the time the Lions take the field Sunday night against the Packers, the Lions will know they're eliminated, Andrew. And typically they try to have these games played all at the same time so that there is nothing like this where the Lions could take the field knowing they're deflated because their playoff hopes are gone. The NFL chose to have that game Sunday night as opposed to like Jaguars-Titans, which they could have guaranteed was a win-and-end situation for both teams. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, listen, what I teach, what I talk about, my mantra with talking about sports leagues is that the two-word phrase is competitive balance. That's why we have a salary cap. That's why we have a draft. That's why we don't let players go in free agency until they've reached four or five years in the league. Competitive balance is sacrificed with this Packers game. And I say that as a huge Packers fan, this is not competitively balanced for the lions. And I think the NFL has to answer that. And I think in their meetings on park Avenue, They're saying, Are you kidding me? Aaron Rodgers win and get in in Lambeau after the season they've had. We got to go for that. And there is some magic to uh, a win and get in for both sides if Seattle loses. But I'm surprised, Ross. I think maybe they could have put it on Saturday night. And then whatever happens with the Seahawks on Sunday happens, right? Right. I mean, I think. But I just think the you just said it, the lore of the Packers, biggest selling team besides the Cowboys, perhaps, and Aaron Rodgers and winning get in and Lambeau was too great to ignore. And I say this as a Packers fan. It is a competitive advantage for the Packers. It is. It is. Now, I know they're banking on and everyone's going to say, well, Dan Campbell is going to, you know, play spoiler. But think about it, Ross, you know this. Playing spoiler, but if Jared Goff takes some big hits in the second quarter, like, yeah, get him out of there, right?
0: Well, it's just going to be so emotionally deflating if they find out that the Seahawks won and that they don't have a chance to make the playoffs. No matter how much they try to motivate themselves, that is not a good look. If you're listening on the business of sports, a good look is to check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast every day. Monday through Friday. If you're listening on the Ross Tucker football podcast, you just heard the wisdom from Andrew Brandt. He puts that out there every week, not only on the business of sports podcast, but on social media, Andrew Brandt, he's got an unbelievable Sunday newsletter that you should check out as well. Make sure you do that. Andrew, always great visiting with you.
1: Always great Ross to be with you. We'll do this more. And last week's pod, for those who didn't listen was looking back on 2022. Top 10 Business of Sports Stories. Hope you check that out. Got a great new episode next week. Love being on this episode on such a somber topic, but we needed to address it. Thanks, Ross.
0: No, yeah, thank you. Excellent stuff there from Andrew as well. Um, listen, there's a lot of things going on in society right now that can be stressful for different reasons, right? One of them, I know for some people, is Crypto. Over 2 million Bitcoins have already been lost forever. That is wild. Most crypto wallets come with a private key that you need to secure. If the private key gets lost, hacked, or stolen, say goodbye to all of your crypto forever. Zengo realized this and said there's got to be a better way. So Zengo created the crypto wallet you've been waiting for. It's controlled by you. So unlike an exchange, no one can access your crypto but yourself. Keep your crypto and NFTs safe with next-gen tech the big guys have been using for years thanks to Zengo. Download the Zengo app from the App Store or Google Play. That's Z-E-N-G-O. And use code Ross to get zero percent fees on your first purchase of up to a thousand dollars when you select BANSA, B A N X A as your purchasing option. That's code Ross for zero percent fees on your first purchase via BANSA. B A N X A. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Tuxtakes.
2: All right, Ross, we'll start with DeMar Hamlin's toy fund on GoFundMe is now up to over six point one million dollars.
0: That is wild. That is fantastic. I love any time that we come together like this as a people to raise money for a good cause. I would submit to you that I hope a portion of that goes to the toys, but to be honest, I hope a larger portion goes to getting these AED devices at as many of these potential little league sites, athletic fields as possible. I'd like to see a lot of that money go to that. Tuck takes.
2: And two big injuries of note, the Seahawks lose linebacker Jordan Brooks with a torn ACL, and the Vikings put right tackle Brian O'Neal on IR with a calf injury. Yeah, I mean,
0: listen, we were just talking about it with Andrew. The Seahawks are going for the playoffs, and now they lose Jordan Brooks. He's probably their leading tackler. He's one of their best players on defense. That's not good. And Brian O'Neill is the Vikings' best offensive lineman, their right tackle. Now he's out for at least four weeks. With this calf injury, those are significant injuries for those two teams for sure. We actually have some time today. uh, Jack, let's get to an email question. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's Here's your your chance. chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address is ross at rostucker.com. Love your emails because, number one, it's content I couldn't come up with myself. And I think if you have an interesting question, other people will enjoy it. And number two is usually it means you took advantage of one of our sponsors like Raycon or ExpressVPN or First Leap or West Shore or whatever, and that's that's good for Jack and I. All
2: right. <clears throat> this question is from Keith Anderson who says, Dear Ross, do you feel like rookie offensive linemen have a larger spotlight on them from the referees, especially when matching up against a more established or superstar defensive lineman and get penalized more frequently Similarly, along the same line, do you feel like having a superstar offensive lineman can distract the refs and hide some penalties from less established teammates because they have tougher, more interesting matchups than defensive superstars? Thanks for your invaluable insight.
0: Interesting. Um, I think elite defensive linemen are more likely – to get the benefit of the doubt and get a holding call against the offensive lineman when they're rushing than a no-name defensive tackle is. I don't think the offensive lineman really comes into play, if that makes sense. I, I think, you know, the refs are looking for certain things. They're not really even looking for numbers of who the offensive lineman is. They're looking for the hand outside. They're looking for restriction. And I don't think they're taking into account, well, this is Trent Williams versus this is Jack Driscoll or whatever. This is Lane Johnson versus this is Jack Driscoll. I think there's maybe a tiny bit more of that when it's like an elite defensive lineman um, because that guy will probably complain a lot and the ref will probably know who he is. And the ref might even realize, hey, he hasn't had any sacks or anything in this game. He's a pretty good player. Maybe it's because this guy keeps holding him. But I, I really think it's about seeing the offensive linemen's hands and whether or not they feel like restriction is there, much more so than who the players are involved. So I would say that that is minimal, if at all. Good question, Keith. Appreciate that. Shout outs. Of course, myfrontpagestory.com, never too early to get the best Valentine's Day gift you could ever get a loved one. Back office scheduler, Vision Comics, Evergreen Economics, Go Dash Bangles, SteakhouseSports.com, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sporticulture, and Pizza Boy Brewing. I think we're done here.